Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakundo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd. Five to up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. <laughs> my name is Lockie, and that laugh you hear is my co-host, James. James, what's been happening? Oh, apparently, I just don't know how to use a microphone, Lachlan, but I, it's working now, and we're here now, and we're good to go. We are good to go. Before we go any further, I want to extend a special welcome to Tottenham fans around the world who... Australian football must not exist or must not be relevant for them, James, because we're seeing reports that one of my favourite managers, Ange Postacoglu, might be heading off to Tottenham. And just like as it happened at Celtic, every man and his dog is coming out of the woodwork saying, who's this Ange Postacoglu fella? What an absolute joke. If you ask me personally, I'd like him to stay at Celtic for another year really do something good in Europe. Also, might be influenced by the fact that I've got a couple of mates who support Tottenham and they're insufferable. And I know that they don't listen to this podcast, so we're safe, James. Oh, wow. That's good. No, I think I think Spurs fans should stick with the high-profile managerial signings who have not worked for the last half decade and seen them plummet down the table rather than you know, commit to actually building a squad. You just bring back Jose. That worked well the first time. Who do you think they should sign, just quickly? They're in a bit of a hole where they have to find a manager that is going to grow with the team because they're in need of a full-scale re- rebuild, so it's, is, it's hard is to say. Is Ange a logical decision? Ange is a logical decision. Is Spurs logical decision for Ange? That is the question. I would say no. Okay, there you go. Well, that's... a. Uh that ends the, the Tottenham podcast that we do. Um, thanks so much for listening. Back to this Australian footballing podcast. James, it's been a very interesting week in Australian football. I feel like I'm, I'm just catching up what's been going on, and that's partially why I do this podcast, so that you can help catch me up and catch the rest of the people of Australia who might be wanting to know what's going on in Australian football. And let's, uh, let's kick it off, as we usually do. Let's go around the grounds and... Have a look at the results and the the results of the players who've been playing. First up, Matt Ryan losing to West Ham. This was like a week and a bit ago, right? Not wonderful because uh, it means that European dreams are over. But in the league, Alkmaar are pushing closer to European football once again. Yeah, they are. They're getting up in the um, area of the table where you'd expect them to be contending for that and most excitedly is probably that they're up in contention for the Europa League as well so uh, a lot of work still to be done if they want to get there and Matty Ryan's definitely been helpful in getting up towards this area so currently AZ they sit fourth um, for those of you wanting to know what that actually practically means third gets guaranteed qualification to the Europa League and then if you finish um, I believe it is fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, you go into a playoff where you could potentially make the Europa League. Uh, and if you are not good enough in that playoff, you will go into the Europa Conference League uh, with a couple of teams missing out. So a bit of a different system over in the Netherlands. They like their playoffs over there, which I, which I could appreciate personally. Uh, but yeah, AZ right in, the, right in the hunt. And with one game left in the league season, they're up against PSV, who are up in second. Ajax, two points ahead of them. They have the team that they're competing with. They are playing in their final match of the season against FC20, uh, who are in fifth and also vying for those European playoff spots. So it'll be a very tight fixture to end up the season. AZ need to win and see Ajax lose. Um, the only other scenario in which... A draw is good enough for Ajax and AZ win, and AZ go through. It's if AZ win, uh, six, 17 nil, sorry, uh, mm. which I don't think is all that likely. Po- possible. Uh, possible, yeah. With Matty Ryan and the six banging them in, anything's possible, right? But it, it's potential and something to maybe watch if 
is you pull off the unlikely and get guaranteed qualification to the Europa League. Otherwise, it'll be through to the playoffs for Matty Ryan and his side to see if they skewer European qualification. Turning our attention to the Premier League, James, it's been an exciting week to watch the Premier League as an Australian. Heartbreak, I would say, the other day, watching Harry Sutar against Newcastle. Not because Sutar played badly. I think Sutar played exceptionally. I, I managed to sneak a little phone open with Optus Sport while at work, uh, producing Cheeky. the show that I'm on. Um, but it didn't affect my work in case anyone from uh, the radio station I work at listens to this. Didn't affect my workflow at all that day. Uh, in fact, it, it maybe boosted it because I was excited to see Harry Sutar back on the pitch, playing 90 minutes, keeping a clean sheet. Now, Leicester can be accused of maybe not going for it, not really giving it a go in that match. There was an opportunity right at the end of the game. I can't remember uh, who it was, the Leicester player who hit it straight at the keeper, but then... Stanya. Yeah, Harry Sutart, he wasn't obviously able to get to the rebound because the Newcastle player was quicker than him to the ball and it kind of went straight to the Newcastle player. But imagine Harry Sutart, he's been out of the team for ages, he keeps a clean sheet and he scores the goal that potentially saves them from relegation. At this point, though, is it fair to assume that Sutart will be relegated with Leicester? I mean, there's one more game left in the Prem and to be honest, absolutely huge one. Uh, in terms of who's playing each other. So Leicester are playing West Ham, uh, which is one game of note. Everton will be up against Bournemouth as well, uh, with Leeds facing off against the aforementioned earlier in this podcast, Tottenham. Okay. So it's going to be a bit of an interesting week. Everton, um, Bournemouth will be a very interesting game, and Leicester, West Ham will be very interesting. I think Leeds are in a bad position now. I think Spurs, I mean, at the same time, Spurs are, aren't really playing for anything. Yes, they could try and get into those final Europa Conference spots. But I, I think um, I think Brighton will be okay in securing Europa League, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be a tough game for Suta. Whether he plays or not, um, you'd hope so, considering he was... It would make sense, surely. It, it would make sense, but uh, the recent tactical decisions by Dean Smith haven't really made sense. So... Uh, who knows, even though he was arguably one of the main reasons they kept a clean sheet, along with Johnny Evans, you know, being a good leader, uh, and Faze being pushed out to the peripheral side, um, where he was well, well, well shielded by three defensive midfielders kind of hedging towards his side. Yes. Uh, James, you mentioned just then Brighton. Yes. If you listen to this show, you might've known last year, we got to sit down with Camp Upion, who at that point in time was saying that he's wanting to push for first-team minutes and wanting to kind of fight for an opportunity to play first-team football. And at that point, I'll be honest, I was like, wow, that's, that's ambitious. That's a, that's a lofty goal. But I was so excited the other morning. I think you sent me a message because you knew I was working. It just was Pupion in all caps. And I quickly opened up FOTMOB and... I'd seen that he was subbed on and that made my morning. It, it, it completely made my morning. I was so stoked for him. Awesome to see him get minutes in the Premier League. He's a Premier League footballer. And personally, I, I don't know if I can say I've interviewed a, a Premier League footballer, but go. I can now. That's a cool little personal thing. Uh, but way cooler, obviously, <laughs> for him to play uh, Premier League football. And the result didn't go their way. Um, but that is football sometimes. Just a, a couple of misplaced passes, not by Cam, obviously. Uh, he actually, I thought, had a, a very good cameo in, in the minutes that he did have. He looked quite calm. I'll be interested to know what the plan for him next season is because I imagine that it might be to send him out on loan. But I thought he looked quite tidy and I'm hoping in this final game of the season that we might see more of a cameo from Cam Pupion. That would be nice. A good little cameo from Cam Pupion. Uh Five touches on the ball from memory. Uh, maybe it was six. Anyway, he had an aerial duel immediately when he came on, won that, header back into the box um, from a set piece. Then he played a couple of good rebound passes as well as an opportunity getting in behind. Uh, you could tell that he was up for it. Pace, you know, physicality-wise, he was fine. Hmm. That, that was probably the most impressive thing for me for a 20-year-old. Physicality, he was holding up fine in terms of the speed but also the strength. Um 
because there were multiple times when he was leaned on and put under a bit more physical duress and was able to use lower body strength and hold the ball and release it to someone else. Um, first touch was a bit loose, which is uncharacteristic of Cameron because I think he is uh, quite technically gifted young player. He's very good dribbling, uh, very good with his speed. So probably the excitement of the moment led to couple of loose passes, which is very fair for a young player making a Premier League debut, don't get me wrong. Uh, but a really positive debut, I would say. Uh, he didn't really put a wrong foot anywhere because every time he made two heavy touches, uh, but he made up for it straight away with his ludicrous speed and got to the ball. Mm. Um, so I think a very good debut and definitely, I think, deserving of a good cameo in the last game of the season. Costa have now secured the Europa League uh, and they're up against... Aston Villa, which will actually be a really, really good test because Aston Villa, they're playing to win, right? If Aston Villa win this game, they secure Conference League Mm. above Tottenham. So huge implications for them, even though Brighton are safe. That means it's a really good opportunity to play your youngsters because it's not going to be a complete dead rubber for both teams. Aston Villa will be pushing. So it's a great opportunity to give your young players really good experience in a really heavily important game. So I hope... And I believe that we'll see a good a good chunk of minutes for Cameron Pupion in this upcoming game. That would be nice to see. Uh, also this week, Brighton did play Manchester City. I was really hoping, and it was a pipe dream, but I was really hoping to see Pupion and Robertson on the pitch at the same time. It didn't end up happening. But I think I saw a, an article saying that it's the first time that we've had two Australians in a matchday squad, opposing matchday squads in the Prem since, since Moy and Ryan, when Ryan was Brighton and, and Moy... Huddersfield. Huddersfield. There you go. That's a, that's a long time ago. It feels like a long time as well, yeah. especially. It's before COVID, right? And oh. I think before COVID, it's a lifetime ago. Yeah. That's actually the new BC. <laughs> before COVID. <laughs> they'll, actually, they'll actually re-look at the dating system. And it'll be obviously the old the old school BC, um, and then the new school BC. Wow, N- NBC, NBC. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think there are some copyright issues around that. No, I think they'll like being implemented in this new dating, the world yes. system, and specifically be connotated with a worldwide. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, that's good. It, it it checks out. Don't think about it too too much, um, James. Exciting news as youngsters across. European leagues uh, because Ali Sakati he managed to get 90 minutes in, in Italy against Venezia ahead of uh, what will be a promotion playoff for Parma so once again another youngster getting minutes in in competitive fixtures that we, we want them to hopefully establish themselves in the first team and, and maybe push for promotion and get into the top flight again yeah, and definitely wasn't a dead rubber either for Palmer. Um, I mean, you could say it was because they were going to make the playoffs, but it secured a home leg to start off, which is very yeah. important. Um, so they get some home ground advantage, which is very useful. Uh, and they're up. They secured fourth place because it works a bit differently. You know, they had a worse goal difference, but it goes head-to-head before goal difference in Serie B, so... A bit, a bit different, Lachlan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a good game overall, I thought. Uh, Sakati playing on the left side of a back four. Um, left centre back, I should say. Uh, solid game. Did, wasn't really challenged all that much with ball on ground. But ball and air-wise, he was fine. Reached the game well and it's got a good shot pass on him. So, uh, a solid game overall for LA Sakati. Um, of course, Perth-born youngster. Uh, and it's really interesting because... He was eligible to represent Italy at the Under-20s World Cup. Uh, wasn't called up, whether that's because of selection choices or first-team choices, we don't know, because officially the Under-20 World Cup falls outside of an international window. So maybe he was attempted to be called up and Palmer blocked it. We don't know. Uh, but I think overall a good sign there for Australia. No, Another, another youngster potentially... Could end up coming Australia's way after previously being called up for an Italian youth setup. So, on the selfish side of things, good for Australia. Yep. But Ale Sicardi, still good for him personally because 90 minutes of first team football in a huge game with some serious ramifications. Uh, clarifying also that our other friend, Italian friend, Italian Australian friend, Valpardo wasn't called up. No, he wasn't. So, 
disappointing for them, I guess, in their ambition to play at the highest level possible. But sneakily, maybe a good thing for Australia. Yeah, and we don't know if it was because of selection or first team mm. block. Yeah. We don't sh- know. For sure. James, Frank Karacic, not exactly looking great for Brescia. Currently potentially about to be relegated. They've got the home leg, the reverse fixture of uh, the relegation playoff. That They've already down 1-0. When is that game that we find out whether they're relegated or not? Yeah, so that game is 2nd of June Australian time, 4.30 a.m. Okay. So Friday morning, if you want to get up early next week, that's where it will be. That would take them down to Series C. That feels like a level below where we would like to see Karatich. Does he try and look for a move? Well, he's out of contracts at the end of the year. Could be moving Big on. brain. Big um, brain move from him. Player that recently played in Serie C, Australian, Italian international, Gabriel Kluwer, recently played in Serie C, and we showed that that is still a very good level because he transitioned naturally to the A-League and was one of the better fullbacks in the A-League for me, even though opportunities dwindled uh, because... Marco Rudan decided to start selecting an 18-year-old, which, of course, I'm never opposed to. Serie C still is a good level. But, yeah, I'd expect him to move out of contract. He was, I think, the best player on his team at right back uh, in a 1-0 loss, which says a lot. Uh, but, of course, Frank Karicic, he's plagued by a few issues, concentration being one of them, discipline being one of them. Uh, so, in a more experienced side, I think he's more valued. Um, so we'll see where he goes, uh, but he's definitely a winning player in the right systems. Uh, but I don't expect him to go to a side that's, you know, wanting to build around young talent because he's more of a Jose Mourinho player, I would okay. say. Bit hard-nosed, will get the job done though, but sometimes can have a bit of a brain fade. Mm. Okay, good Good to know, good to know. Gabriel Clare, I know he had a great start to the season in the A-League. Uh do you think it's too soon for Karacic to make an appearance in the A-League? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I think so. Um, To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see him over in America, MLS. Interesting. Um, I think that would be a natural move because it suits his style of football, right? Uh, or, or returning to Eastern Europe. Of course, that's where he started his career playing over there. So I think both are likely outcomes. Or we could just see him stay in Italy and move to a other team that remains in Serie B. Okay, good to know. Hey, there's been plenty of youngsters playing down back, doing a great job. Lewis Miller had a great game in Scotland against Celtic. They uh, managed to really surprise, I think, Celtic, even though Celtic have already wrapped up the league, so they're probably not going to be too stressed about it. But a come-from-behind victory, 4-2, for Hibernian, and James Jago also had a part to play, but Miller, who hasn't been featured all that much for the Hibs this season, how funny uh, football fans who go, I've never heard of this bloke, to this is the best player on our team, we should have him in our plans for next season. Yeah, yeah, it is It is a bit funny. He dominated in preseason, obviously, for mm. Hibs when he went over, uh, that had a couple of niggling injuries, struggled to get back in the team, and in the classic Scotland fashion, was stuck behind a 37-year-old or something like that for most of the season. And then comes off the bench against Rangers. Looks good. Oh, he's given an opportunity to start. And lo and behold, he's very good, Lachlan. Mm. Shock horror, that. Uh, yeah, so Lewis Miller, we know enough about him because of his time in the A-League. He's not really a type of player that will contribute to build-up play. But chance creation-wise, he is very good. And that's where he was very good, Lachlan. Overlapping fullback, getting those wide spaces, pushing the play forward, occasionally inverting to be more of an inside threat as well. He's not going to help you by passing the ball up, but my goodness, is he going to be dangerous in that final third, being the wide option of a front five, which often happened for Hibs as they played their you know, two-up-top kind of system with one fullback overlapping and then two center mids supporting them. So... Uh, it, it, it's a system that suited him well. Very good with ball at feet. And, of course, Lewis Miller, he did play centre-back at the start of his career. So, in terms of ground duels, when he was asked to drop back, he pretty much won every single one of them. So, a phenomenal game from Lewis Miller. I think the best of his career so far, I would say. Um, and I don't think any other, many people would contest that fact based on the level he played against uh, and how well he played. So, phenomenal game for him and a really important game as they look towards next season. Also in Scotland, uh, Nathaniel Atkinson picking up a Team of the Week performance. He's 
been playing quite well recently in a heart side that, I mean, they've been hot and cold this season. And I, I think it's fair to say that Atkinson potentially has also been hot and cold this season, but earned himself a position in the team of the week as well as Ryan McGowan. Yeah, a good game for Atkinson against Aberdeen. Uh, he, to be honest, was very similar to Lewis Miller in terms of how influential he was in chance creation. Uh, but Nassadon Atkinson, he's a bit more of a complete fullback, right? He's not really as, you know, attack-oriented as Lewis Miller. He's going to give you a bit more of the supporting play. He's going to help you build up. Um, and he does that very well. He gets himself in build-up phases, uh, and he really is continuing to be very good defensively. And the big question around Atkinson this year was that final product, right? Um and the ability to be a threat in the final third. Atkinson, he's historically been very good in the defensive third, build-up third, whatever you want to call it, and the um, creation third. But when it comes to finishing third of play, the chance creation aspect has been lacking. So really good to see him really dominate the game in that way against Aberdeen because for Atkinson to take the next step in his career, that's the part of the game that really needs to grow. So a really encouraging game from Atkinson. Um and really good performance overall by the Aussie boys in that one with Rolls and Devlin also playing their part. Well, one other player that isn't Rolls or Devlin at Hearts who actually made headlines back in Australia, made quite a lot of them, Garang Kowal. He's scored. He's on the score sheet for the first time since becoming a Hearts player in uh, a game against Rangers, scoring the equaliser in what was like the 94th minute of a game that had three minutes of injury time. So one of the last kicks of the game, I think I've actually got some audio right here. Oh, and it's Garan who has equalised right at the end for Hearts. Stephen Naismith's side have surely snatched a draw to put a dampener in the final game at Ibrox this season for Rangers. But Hearts are loving it. Well, Rangers gave it away in the middle of the park and Cool just takes benefit here of the poor touch. That first touch from the substitute, Ryan Jack. Look at him here. He can't get it away. And it's right into the path of Cool. And credit to him, he stabs it home past McGregor. He's moving to his left. And it's a beautiful moment for Cool. For Cool. He's not Harry, he's Grant. He is. He's his own man. Uh, and look, let's be real. The Rangers player, it deflected off him and landed. Brilliant one too. <laughs> it landed right at his feet. It would have been uh, almost embarrassing had he not put it on target because it was it was that close. He, he's done a great job though at stabbing it past the keeper and it was a great finish and awesome to see it. It's going to do a wonder of confidence on the back half of the season really with what one game left to go. Does Stephen Naismith play him for longer? Well, it's a huge game with huge implications, right? Because mm. Hearts, they need a win or draw to secure a spot in a uh, European playoff. So it, it's got important, so it's hard to see. Uh, but, I mean, it's Qual's first opportunity all year to play in his natural position, and he gets a goal from it. So th- that must feel, feel pretty good for the lad. Uh, and hopefully also uh, adds a lot of confidence in Newcastle back home uh, for him because... Difficult loan spell. Uh, didn't mm. really have opportunities to show what he's made of. Last time he played against Rangers, of course, he played central midfield because that made sense. Uh, but hey, playing right wing, coming inside, using the pace, found a chance, put it away. He does what Grant Quall does. So really good performance. It'll be interesting really this offseason to see what his next move is. I love that Atkinson was right there to celebrate with him. Uh, that's part of the reason why I love when multiple Aussies are playing overseas with one another because then you get moments like that where they, they get to celebrate the, the highs and, and you know commiserate the lows with one another. But this is one of the highs, surely, of Kowal's career scoring. James, we neglected to mention when we're talking about the Netherlands earlier, Matt Ryan obviously over the Netherlands, uh, that there's a youngster playing in the Netherlands as well, playing at Young Utrecht, uh, Josh Rawlins. His first team opportunity... Look, it might be around the corner if he continues to play like this. He's, he's playing at centre-back. Uh, I know he, he tends to play at right-back, maybe sometimes at centre-back. He's really almost a, 
the right centre back in a back three. And I think that's where we might see him maybe uh, for the junior national team that he's just been called up to. If if they're looking to be a bit more tactically flexible. Good bit. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Australia's very much a traditional four back. That's how we play. But maybe we're looking to be a bit more tactically flexible. We might see him right centre back someday. We Imagine a three back. You've got Sakadi. You've also got Rawlins. You've got Sutar. Tell them they're dreaming. You've got the, the likes of Jordan Courtney Perkins who can play in left centre back. Hey, I believe it when I see it, Lachlan. The future's bright for the back three. That's all I'm saying. It, it would be if we ever used it. Yeah, it would be It would be a good system. And I think be. that Rollins could play in oh, that right centre-back role. Definitely, and he just had a phenomenal game. Of course, for Jong Utrecht in the second tier um, in the Netherlands. I uh, had a very good game. Had another match for me. Um, really dominated all phases of play. And was instrumental, really, in everything... That happened for Jong Utrecht. He built it up from the back, rarely put a wrong foot forward. Uh, concerned about his height, but of course, if you're playing as a wide back in a back three, it's okay. Uh, but one thing that isn't stated enough about Josh Rawlins, he's got he's got he's got a pair of legs in him, Lachlan. He does. He can leap. I think most most people playing football in that league it's have true. a pair of legs. It's true, uh, and he he uses them well. He gets up. He's got a leap in him, uh, which probably helps him a lot. And most of all, though is he's got speed, right? So he mm. can recover. 11 recovery runs. 11. That's a lot. Uh, and he was often playing as a sweeper, getting in behind. And with his passing range that he has, because obviously he played so much of his career at a right back, right? Yes. So he knows how to cross the ball. And that's really where he excelled in the A-League because A-League is very cross-heavy. We know this. A lot of crossing to very small strikers goes on in the A-League for whatever reason. Uh, but it meant Josh Rollins. Was, has grown exponentially fast compared to his peers at his age in how to distribute long. So he's got a phenomenal passing range on him. And at centre-back, I think it's used best there because the amount of times in that game where he's able to pinpoint passes to his team's winger and find them in open space with long-range distribution is phenomenal. And I think it's a really natural position for him. And I'm really looking forward uh, to him playing in the national team soon. Do you set up? Of course, was called up recently. For what, which one was it? The under-20s was he called up for? Uh, I don't have all the squads in front of me. One of them. He, one of them. There's, there's been, been a lot of squads. <laughs> there's been a lot of squads announced <laughs> recently. But yeah, he's been called up to represent uh, Australia in the youth tournament. I believe he's going over to Portugal in that one. Uh, but we will be really excited to see. I wanted to see him start at right centre-back. I think that will make a lot of sense because I think that is his best position long-term for his time over in Europe. And... He, I think when you look at the depth Australia is producing at right back, I think it will suit him and also Australia uh, for him to play that right centre-back role because that means, well, he's going to have more opportunities to play for Australia and Australia's going to have more options and depth at right back. The Oli Roo squad, by the way. Thank you. There you go. Under 23s. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like him at right centre-back. We'll get back to the Oli Roo squad because there's been some developments and we'll also talk about I think there's another squad that was called up that has a number of high profile players that you are absolutely excited about but before we do that I just want to uh, I just want to highlight John Idell scored 12 minutes off the bench he's been getting bench appearances for Weisbaden in, in the third tier of German football so look I'm not expecting to see him anytime soon for the Socceroos but hey a goal is a goal and when you've only got a certain amount of time to make an impact and you make that impact, that's good to see. He's, he's 23 years old at the moment, so there's still plenty of time on his side to to have an impact. Do you think a move away from Weisbaden is a good move for him, or, or what do you think John Adel does? Yeah, I, th- I think it's time to maybe return to Australia. Uh, he's obviously born and raised Australian, came through the Australian youth setup, uh, played a game for Sydney before securing move over to the Netherlands for Heran Bean, before moving to Wolfsburg, then developed in their youth system for a while before, you know, loan moves to Paderborn and then Wiesbaden, and then I think he went back to Paderborn, and then at Wiesbaden full-time now, or Weisbaden full-time technically, I should say. Uh, so yeah, a, re- a lot of movements over in Germany, unable to really crack the first team, despite some good performances recently off the bench, uh, earning actually some starts as well, some good performances. So 
Uh, an exciting time for him. He's really coming into his own now at the age of 23, so I can see why he'd want to spend one more year over in Germany to really push for his first team. But yeah, I think next year or the season after uh, is really make or break years for him, right? It's a really important years for his long-term professional career. He has to start cracking 90s. Yeah. He has to. Uh, it, because if you're not cracking 90s by the time you're 24, 25, at you know, the lower end of professional football, which is the Bundesliga 3, which would be the A-League, as, you know, even though some people would feel a certain way about that, your career really starts to turn into more of a semi-pro amateur career after that. So some crucial times for John Ardell. Uh And the reason we're still speaking about him on this podcast is there's still a decent amount of potential there. Mm. There's a lot of potential there. Uh, big, big boy, you know, almost 190 centimetres tall. Big body uh, and plays a striker position with a lot of smarts. But in the next year, it's absolutely crucial for him to really kick on because he can go from being, you know, an average, you know, professional striker to very quickly becoming potentially an international for Australia. Yeah, there you go. I, I personally would love to see him at the Raw. I think the way that, that we had been playing the system requiring a bit of a target man up top to, to head the ball down to midfielders coming through. It sounds like he'd do a job at the raw, but look, I know that we're, we're well down the pecking order of preference list when it comes to A-League clubs, so I'm not getting my hopes up anytime soon. Uh, James, um, lastly, Awama Bill, he's a champion, picked he, up a champion's trophy. Good for him. He gets the medal, he, he gets a thumbs up, doesn't mean that his career has progressed any further. But uh, worth noting that Armabil is a champion this season. Yeah, it, good on him. Um, hasn't had many opportunities. I think an A-League move is an imminent, really, for Armabil. And dare I say, Adelaide United. Yeah, again. Aaron Kunda, one last season for Aaron Kunda at Adelaide, obviously, before he turns 18. That could be a lot of fun, Lachlan. That would be a lot of fun. That imagine a three four three for Adelaide because they're losing some personnel next season. You have Mabil and Irin Kunda as the wingers, and then as I guess as wide wide backs as left and right midfielders. You've got someone like Goodwin providing uh, passing options, providing crosses. That would be that would be tasty. It would be nice. You've had a nine. Oh, Dorigo and um, Barnett as midfield duo. Mm. Could be good. I'm talking. Could be very good. Bob Fitch at left centre back. Hey, you said it, not me. Sounding tasty. It would be moving away from what we've seen from Adelaide previously, but... Bit too inventive, I think, for Carl Viet. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, hey, we can dream. Sounds fun, though. Sounds very fun. Sounds like something that I might go and do on Football Manager. I mean, it's Craig Goodwin's best position, in my opinion, left wing back. I also think so as well. So, could be fun to see. James, there has been a, f- a fair few transfer rumours within the past week. Uh, let's chat about just some of them. Firstly, uh, it's not that much of a surprise. The, the Irin Kunda one, it's still going on. Still not sure exactly where he's going, but some big names are throwing their hat in the ring. At least that's what's rumoured. Yeah, Liverpool apparently now interested. You know, AC Milan into Milan. No, a few teams. A few Fine, te- still sniffing around. Apparently the favourites for his signature. So it'll be interesting. Do you think he should go to any of those four teams? I would avoid Italy, personally. Okay. Um, what do you have against Italians? I've got nothing against Italians. Um, I've got a few things against ultra football fan mentality in Italy. Okay. Uh, much like I do now in Spain as well. Yes, yes. Well, uh, I think it's fair to say that you and I are both against what has been going on in Spain. Yeah, very sad. It is very sad. I wouldn't really want to see him go over to Italy, especially as a, I think for me, someone I'm very proud of in terms of what represents what Australia is, which is a absolute cultural hub, right? You see people from all nations of the world come to Australia mm. and spend life in Australia. And we we come together as, as one, which I think is a very beautiful thing. And I think it's something that, as an Australian, I'm very proud of. And I love seeing someone like Ian could uh, represent, you know, Australia, wear the green and gold. Um, same reasons why I love Grant Kowal. Um, 
what I love saying, Alma Bill represents us. Uh, and I, I think it's just even so Harry Suter. Yeah, who, yeah, Harry Suter, Karachich, Cummings. Yeah, Karachich. Yeah, it, it's it's beautiful. I think seeing how open Australia is to people from all all people groups, and I think it's a very beautiful thing. So I wouldn't really want to see him go to Italy, um, nor Spain for those reasons until they fix their issues. Um, but yeah, in terms of those remaining clubs, then uh, I think Liverpool would be an interesting fit. Liverpool, obviously, big name club, a very big name club. Uh, but historically, recently, haven't been very good in terms of signing players and developing them into first team players. It, it's been a bit of a miss under Jurgen Klopp. So it, it's interesting. Uh, Jurgen Klopp seems to find the youngsters he likes and really focus on them. So if Aaron Kunda can crack that circle. He'll be fine and it'll be a great move. But it's a similar kind of thing over at Bayern, right? If you crack the, oh, this is a good young player circle, you will have a really good career and they will focus every resource they have on you. But if you don't crack that circle, you're like, you're just disregarded really because for them, the five to 10 million they could sell you on for later is, you know, worth nothing. So they're not really going to invest, you know, the time and the effort into developing you. Is Aaron Kunda good enough to play at that level? Yes. But me, I'm a risk-averse human, Lachlan. I don't mm. like risk, so that scares me. I l- like what Jordan Boss did, and I would not I would actually really like to see Aaron Kunda make a similar move. I agree with that. A move to somewhere in Europe, like Belgium, somewhere that's going to nurture I think Portugal time. would yeah. be a phenomenal move for him. Like a Benfica kind of a club. Yeah, I okay. think that, that's a really nice spot for him. Okay, there you go. Well, uh, that remains to be seen, whether he will go... Don't think he will, but I would like it. Uh, speaking of European moves, I think we mentioned it last week, but it, it looks like uh, Jelicic's move to Belgium is, is getting even closer. I haven't had any confirmation of that one yet, but Jelicic to Bel- Belgium. Yeah, I believe it's Genk, to be precise. Uh, so, really exciting stuff. Uh, a, a phenomenal move for him. Very, very natural, his style of football. And I think he'll really excel over there. So, super exciting times for the Queensland boy. Yes. Uh, I think that's all the transfers. Is there any other transfers that have interested you? Any rumours that you've heard this past week? Uh, plenty that have interested me, but none really relevant to this podcast, of course. You know, focusing on more so the... Future stockeries of Australia. Okay. Uh, we're kind of at the stage of the A-League merry-go-round where it's a lot of the older Australians. Mm. No rumours be going around. So not really any any news in the market with the younger ones. I mean, there's been one young player, okay. uh, Jake Wachowski, okay. uh, leaving yep. Western Sydney Wanderers, signing with Central Coast Mariners, young goalkeeper, a uh, lot of potential, a lot of room to grow, and one of the better ones in this current cohort. Um, will be really interesting because obviously over in the Central Coast, they have a goalkeeper who is retiring, Danny Vukovic. Mm, He is retiring. And I would say Central Coast now probably have four really promising young goalkeepers, all of which could make the first team. So what it seems to me that Central Coast is doing is they're basically saying to all four, any of you can make it. Okay. Go for it. And it's going to be a really highly competitive spot next year, which is going to be really exciting from a development point of view. Uh, Because all four, to be honest, have Matty Ryan-like potential. That's how talented that is. Pavlicic, of course, Wachowski um, being the two biggest names out of them. And I think the most first team ready. So I think it would be between those two to secure the number one jersey. But yeah, really exciting times over in Central Coast because that goalkeeping spot is seemingly going to be given to a youngster, which doesn't really happen much in the A-League, of course. Very, very rare to see. So really exciting times, really, for me because Jack Wachowski, very talented player. Pavlicic, a very talented player. One of them is going to play playing regular A-League football next season. So a really exciting transfer because it pretty much confirms that we're going to have some young goalkeeper minutes in the A-League. That'll be very exciting to see young goalkeeper minutes in the A-League, especially with Tom Hewitt-Bell also on the move. I know he's, yeah. not, he's not the youngest, let's be real, but I don't know about you. I think that he should have been given more of an opportunity at Sydney FC. I agree. And I think the fact that they're sticking with Redman, Redman can pull out great saves. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's probably time that 
players like Redmayne, maybe Sydney need a bit of a rebuild. Yeah. I think goal, a fresh young goalkeeper would probably help that rebuild. Mm. Well, uh, speaking of young, James, just this week, the under-18s squad yes. was announced. Let's get into this because I know so good. you're so excited about it. It's a good squad. Yes, this squad, James, you are stoked because there are a number of players in this squad. I'm going to read through them quickly. And I know that there are some some ones that you've kept a keen eye on. Should I just give like a star rating as you go through, like a Michelin star? Sure. I mean... What 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 should my rating criteria be? Is the rate is the rating? I think the rating should be um, current ability and potential ability. Kinda, okay, kind of combined, like a okay, okay. If that makes sense, okay. Like a, I can roll with that. Yeah, um, because I think at this point in time, the current ability will range fairly significantly, but in terms of the likelihood that we'll see them playing for the Socceroos, uh, I think maybe give a rating on that and and the sort of role that they could have within the soccer. Yeah, one to five? One to five. Okay. Yeah, one to five. I mean, but look, this feels very football manager like. You can give half stars as well. Wow. So basically you're saying me one to ten. Shh. Hey, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a one to five, but half stars are involved. Okay. So uh, Alexander Badalado. Two. Mid- midfielder for the Wanderers. Two. Okay, yep. Uh, Max Caputo it's playing up top for... City? That'd be four and a half. Big, big call. Franz Deli. I can't say I really know much about Franz. He plays at the Wanderers. That would be why it's one and a half, Lachlan. Okay. Uh, Emin Durakovic. That'd be a four. Okay. Well, I need to brush up on how to pronounce his name if we're going to see a bit more of him. Melbourne City prospect. Sebastian Esposito. Three and a half. From City as well. Jaden Gasking. Two. I Boa Vista Football Club. I don't even know where Boa Vista Football Club is, but... Hey, involved Vista. Yeah, well, they're producing a good footballer in Jaden Gasking if he's being called up to this squad. A bit more research I need to do on him. Stephen Hall, Adelaide United. One and a half. Okay. Uh, Josh Insera, Melbourne Victory. One and a half. Okay. Uh, This is one I know, and I think listeners of this show should know. Luka Jovanovic, Adelaide United as a striker. Rumoured to be caught up by Serbia, but uh, the call never came. Three and a half. Okay. Uh, Franco Lino, Melbourne Victory. Two. Matteo Mazzone, Wolfsburg. Four and a half. I know you're very excited about him. Max Middleby, Central Coast Mariners. Two and a half. This is a big one. Paul Ocon Engsler from Benfica. That's a five. That is a five. Uh, That's five and a half, Lachlan. It's breaking uh, the scales. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, son of uh, Paul Ocon, the, the former Socceroo, uh, obviously... Got that hyphenated last name, which we love to see as well. And love that a double al- barrel. It also helps to differentiate him from his father. It's true. Um, Alexander Robinson, not to be confused with Robertson. It's a two. Uh, Zane Schreiber, Sydney FC. One and a half. Harrison Shillington, two. Melbourne City. Uh, Dimitri Valkanis. Two and a half. Penultimate one, Reese Yuli MacArthur. Three and a half. And Marcus Eunice from Western Sydney Wanderers. Four. Some very decent players in there. Uh, those fours, four and a halves and fives in there, James. What what excites you most about them? Uh, it's technical ability, Lachlan, for me. Technical ability uh, and potential. Max Caputo could become an absolute center landing player for the Socceroos. Um, I mean, he could become like a Tom Rizic kind of player. You know, he, he's that good. He's a very good player. Alex Bedaldo also is a very talented player. Um, Kovic is a very... Technically gifted player, a bit one-footed for my liking, but can drift into half spaces very well. Very creative, great vision, um, and also good potential. Yo Banovic, dual national, of course. So a big win for Australia, keeping him under us with the green and gold for a little bit longer. Hopefully ends up being permanent. Uh, but the reason I'm not entirely high on him is because he is a second striker, I think, primarily. So he hasn't shown me the versatility they can play in the wing yet. Um, but... I don't know if he's the main number nine for Australia in the way that Australia plays, so it's a bit awkward, a little bit awkward. But that being said, if he puts on a bit more muscle, reads the game a bit better, gets a bit better with his back to goal, he's got all the potential to be a leading Australian number nine. Uh, Mathieu Mazzone, this is a win, Lachlan, because this guy most recently was called up to the youth setup of the Italian 
under-16s, and before that, the German under-15s. A lot of prestige, so a huge win to see him flip to Australia, especially since he was German-born and raised. So a huge win for Australia because this kid is talented, very talented. And look, to be honest, he could be it's he could be up there with Volpato long-term. That's how talented this kid is. The reason I'm not giving him a five is because he hasn't shown progress in that development just yet because yeah, he is okay. so young. He's 16 still, I'm pretty sure. So really young player, but the talent oozes out of him. So versatile, can play as a 10, can play as a left wing, right wing, can play a bit of striker, can even play a little bit at eight, right? Mm. Can play anywhere in that attacking triad, including deeper into midfield and into the attacking midfield. Super talented player, huge, huge coup for Australia. And of course, Paul Ocon Engstler moved to Benfica because he's that talented. Broke through with the Benfica young, you know, the youth set up in Benfica is the only non-Portuguese player and he's been playing really well over there. I mean, to see him continue to represent Australia, to see Australia being so diligent in keeping him involved, two huge, huge wins. And we've seen uh, James Johnson speak about how, you know, the FA, they have money now. They have some money to play with. The coffers are looking healthy. And camps like these show it, right? We're attracting really young players to play in really good tournaments. They're going to be playing against Portugal under 18s, the England under 18s, and the Norway under 18s. Three huge teams and really, really important times for our young players to develop as they come together as a cohort. So super exciting times and super important times for these young future potential socceroos because this is this is just simply put absolutely huge like it's so important to see our young players playing against the best in the world and developing against the best in the world because not only is it good for the socceroos but it's also good for the a-league because there are scouts in abundance at these matches right scouts in abundance and if they see luka jovanovic absolutely kill it over there adelaide united are going to have a really hot phone all of a sudden and you know we've seen already some of the premiums that some Australian talent is, you know, getting. John Boss most recently went for $2 million, right? So imagine if we had more eyes and players like Jordan Boss from a younger age, how much that fee, those fees will start to improve. Think about how many more, you know, situations there will be of like Belgian clubs, Dutch clubs going in for, you know, some more peripheral young players in the squad. It's a huge thing for Australian football to see our young players, you know, be in the market, to be in the shop window from a young age and tournaments like these, you know, and bringing over talent like this is a huge step in that direction. So really exciting times. And I'm just so excited for this apparent new era that the FA is bringing in because Football Australia have done a phenomenal job in promoting young talent now. And they've shown that they're backing up their mouths with when they've said we want our, you know, young players to be involved in more camps and be playing at a higher profile because it, it's just phenomenal to see Lachlan. I'm so excited. It is. It's very exciting, isn't it? I, and these are the sort of camps that get me excited about the future uh, of the game in Australia and, and where things could honestly go because, man, we, we have some high-profile prospects right across uh, a whole different number of age groups as well. And to see them beginning to grow into their prime is it's just where things get really exciting. Speaking of a talent, I, at least I think he's talented, uh, in the Oli Roos squad, there was a recent call-up um, just this past week into the into the training on squad, I guess. James, one of our favourites, Ty Truen, has been called up uh, to the under-23 squad uh, ahead of the Maurice Ravello tournament. Um, unfortunately, Zach Gilsonen, and Jason Novello have had to withdraw from the camp, um, which has, has started today, time of recording. But, um, you know, great news for Kai, who I think has worked very hard this season. Yeah, and he's been playing in, you know, a new position professionally, uh, really diversifying his games. I was really disappointed that he wasn't given the call-up because I think as a six, he offers a lot more than other sixes done at squad, to be honest. And it's disappointing that Australia continues to neglect the kind of six he is. Uh, because you see the issues arise when we get to the highest level, right? Um, when you see the Socceroos, that we have way too many eights and not enough sixes, and that's because we don't have enough pathways for sixes. So mm. 
super good to see him get the call up. And I hope to one of those, you know, train on players will end up being called up to the squad proper. There's still one spot. Unfortunately, of course, Zach Gilson had to pull out due to personal reasons. Um, and I think now from the remaining ones there, I want to see Kai True make that final squad because I think as a six, he offers you more than any other potential player playing in the six does in that squad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, James, just quickly before we go, uh, the A-League Grand Final is on next weekend, time for recording, and um, hot off the press, we will see for the first time ever an A-League versus NSL All-Stars match. Wow. They couldn't get an 11-a-side team going, so it's going to be 5-a-side instead. Wow. Doesn't that make you excited? I'm so excited, Lachlan. It's oozing out of me. This festival of football is truly shaping up to be one of the greatest inventions that we've had in the sport. I'm so excited to watch a bunch of 50 and 60 year olds versus, you know, people in their prime. It is really fascinating (laughs) because, you know, you look overseas, right? And you see, especially during international windows, some of these big clubs having, I guess, all-star matches where they, they, bring back a whole bunch of older players. I don't know if we have the history just yet in the A-League to do that. I know that definitely the Raw, uh, and forgive me if there's any other clubs that do this, have tried to have a bit of an all-star match. But even then, the Raw can never get a full 11. But it, it's usually like, it's not like your Thomas Broich is playing. No, no. <laughs> Who, I mean, because Thomas Broich probably has better things to do. He's well, he's probably... over in Germany with his job. Exactly, but... You know, quite often you might have Steven Gerrard, the likes of Hippier, so, so many Liverpool legends who are part of that squad. Harry Kuehl might even chuck on the boots. You just don't get that over here. Like, I think the most recent one the Raw tried got a handful of former Raw players. They couldn't fill up an 11. Yes. No, I, I, I know they couldn't. Uh, and I would think that a, a game like this, an All-Stars game of former A-League greats, the idea is fine. The execution is horrible. And yeah. that is, like many things in the APL currently, they have some ideas. But the execution of those ideas are prof- probably pretty much always poor. And even then, they have too many ideas that they need someone at least culling a few. So, it's not, not great. Mm. It? It's it's not the most inspiring thing ever. It's a great, great note to finish the episode on. Yeah, look, I will be watching the A-League grand final uh, with bated breath because look there's plenty of young talent in this city side in this central coast side and I'm excited to see how the two of them come together and and battle it out but uh, we can talk maybe a bit more about that next episode until then however hope you enjoy the football have a great weekend and we'll catch you next time see ya